Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus, please. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. God's preamble to obedience, obedience from the heart. How can you and I be kept from just going through the motions of the Christian life? It's so easy for you and I to deteriorate um, that point of where we're just going through the motions without any heart. And I do believe that within chapter 19 here of Exodus we have some principles that will help us to, to make sure that we just, we just don't just go through the motions but that we truly obey God from the heart. Note there in verse 5 and 6 please. Exodus chapter 19 verses 5 and 6 it reads, Now therefore if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Here in Exodus chapter 19 we have a preamble, what I have termed the preamble to chapter 20 and following. From chapter 20 to 24 we have the heart of what we refer to as the Mosaic Law, specific commandments given to God via his servant Moses. And chapter 19 is a neglected chapter. Many of us are familiar with chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. But very few uh, understand the importance of chapter 19. It's God's preamble to obedience from the heart. In the application of chapter 19, we noted two weeks ago that if we are to obey God from the heart, the first key is for you and I to be always mindful of God's deliverance. The first key is spelled out there in verses 1 to 4 of Exodus chapter 19, where God reminded Israel concerning what he had done for them, how he had delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. Love is a powerful motivator. Music motivates, fear motivates, nothing greater than love. Love is the greatest motivator. And if you and I will come back to the fact that God loves me, God loves you, and he proved his love by delivering uh, us from our sin this is a great motivator and this is why we as Bible believing Christians are to observe our Lord's table week uh, not necessarily weekly but regularly we remember his broken body we remember his shed blood we are brought back to the basics the love of God that was demonstrated towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
The Lord's table reminds us of God's love in the provision of salvation through the death of Jesus Christ. And if you and I are to be uh, obedient children of God, that obey God from the heart, we need to stand back and be mindful as to why are we obeying God. And, and the base one is the love of God, the love of God for you and I and our love for him because he first loved us. The love of God for us should fuel a greater love for God and to obey him and to obey him from the heart. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. And we see within this uh, preamble chapter that God reminded his people what he had done for them. Before giving them the do's and don'ts, so to speak, he reminds them, hey, I've delivered you from and I've delivered you unto myself that you might be that testimony uh, for my sake and for my glory. Now we come to the preamble of being and that's our focus this evening, the preamble of being. We've noted the preamble of uh, understanding and being reminded of what God has done for us, that we look back and we reflect on our salvation how much God loved us and that should be a motivator for you and I to love God out of a heart of obedience. The address of the importance of being is our subject this evening. What we need to be before we can do what God expects of us. In this section, Moses tells the people what God expects them to be. What we are to be within. Enabling us to obey God in sincerity and in truth without. Our private inner world needs to be in order. Otherwise, we will find ourselves just going through the motions with little effect and the blessing of God. We need to be before we do. That is so critically important and I think so often you and I fail to obey God from the heart and we find ourselves in a rut of just going through the motions of Christianity because we have neglected in some way the importance of being comes before doing. Our Lord Jesus sternly rebuked hypocrisy in his public ministry those that look good outwardly but were not right inwardly not right with God not right with fellow man in fact God the son pronounced judgment upon hypocrisy we read often especially in the gospel of Matthew woe unto you hypocrites the word woe is a word conveying judgment judgment upon hypocrisy because God wants us to be before we can do from the heart from verses 5 down to verse number 15 we find 
some key ingredients on the issue of being before we can do. The first principle I'd like for us to stress is that God wants us to be consecrated, dedicated fully to Him. And that's found there in verse number 5 in this little word, covenant. Covenant. Keep my covenant. God had expectations of His people in the keeping of His covenant. God expected consecration. God expected full and complete dedication. A covenant is a contract. A covenant is a league between God and Israel. And God spells exactly what He expects of them and you can sum it up in this word, covenant. Keep my covenant. I want you to be consecrated. I want you to be fully dedicated to me. And beloved, if you and I are to obey God from the heart, this covenant requirement, which encompasses consecration, which encompasses dedication, uh, this covenant requirement is mandatory and essential in you and I obeying God from the heart. We need to be consecrated. We need to be fully dedicated. God is worthy of this because He is our Creator. He is our Sustainer. All the earth belongs to Him. Note that at the end of verse number 5 it reads, For all the earth is mine. It all belongs to me. He is worthy of our commitment. He is worthy of our full dedication. There in Romans chapter 12, the Bible teaches us that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice to Him. God expects commitment. God expects dedication. God expects full consecration. Let me ask you this evening, who owns and governs your life? Who owns and governs your life? There in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. God spells out very clearly who should govern our lives and why. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is what? The temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. We belong to God. That's why God could say to his people, keep my covenant. I want you to be dedicated. I want you to be fully committed. Does God have first claim in your life? The principle of the firstborn belonging to God. If you go back to Exodus chapter 13, please. Exodus chapter 13. In verse number 2 it reads, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both 
of man and of beast, it is mine. God said the firstborn is mine. Not only the firstborn, the secondborn, the thirdborn, the fourthborn, the fifthborn, it all belongs to God. But in the principle of God's people giving their firstborn, it was for them to be reminded that everything belongs to God. God is my owner and I'm not my own. And beloved, if you and I are to effectively obey God from the heart, it begins with you and I being consecrated, fully dedicated to Almighty God. Does God have first claim on your life? This proposal made by God would give Israel an exalted position amongst the nations. If they accept and obey the covenant commandments spelled out in chapters 20 to 24, God promises to bless. But it begins with commitment. And that's what the word covenant, it's a very, very strong word. It's a precious word. It literally means to cut, to cut a deal with blood. And God is serious in his commitment to you and I. How serious are we in our commitment to our God? So do you want to be kept from just going through the motions of obedience? It begins with being fully consecrated, fully given over to God, giving God the keys to every room of our lives. And if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, it goes on to read in verse number 5, please, Therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant... Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Now, God said of Israel that they were his special people above other people. Now, this doesn't belittle God's love for all people. For John 3.16 teaches us, For God so loved the world. It doesn't belittle that fact that God loves all, but God has a special place for Israel. Israel is referred to as the apple of God's eye. Israel has a special place in the heart of God. And God said of his people that uh, you are to be my peculiar or special treasure, a special treasure unto me this speaks of israel being distinct not weird unusual we tend to use the word peculiar in that um, way but it's really a precious word it means special a treasure unique different Note there in Psalm 135, please. Go to Psalm 135. Psalm 135, verse number 4, it reads, 
The Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Distinct, different. Note the New Testament application there in 1 Peter chapter 2, please. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. First Peter 2.9 For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. In Titus 2.14 it talks about who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purge unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. See, because Israel had a special relationship with God, he calls them a special treasure. And in the same way, those of us that are saved, those of us that have received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we are God's special treasure. And we are called to maintain our distinctiveness that aligns us with Jesus Christ. That's what it's referring to, being a peculiar treasure that we as the people of God, we align ourselves with our God. Christians were first called Christians there in Antioch because they were imitators of Christ. Acts eleven twenty six. In Matthew 5, 16, we are told that we are to be the light of the world. A peculiar treasure, distinct, different. Beloved, we need to be before we can do. We need to be fully consecrated and we need to fully uh, align ourselves with Jesus Christ in the way we think, in the way we speak, in the way we flesh out our lives. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 14. In verses 14 to 18, it talks about not being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? What part has he that believes with an infidel, an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, verse 16. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So the principle of being distinct, being different, aligning our lives with Jesus Christ. 
Does your life, does my life align with Jesus Christ? Is it evident to the world in the way that I uh, carry out my, my speech and the way you and I live? Is it evident that we belong to Jesus Christ? Could you and I be accused of being a Christian? How sad it is to have people say, I didn't even know he was a Christian. That's a sad commentary. And believe you me, I've heard it said, I've heard it said too often, I didn't even know that they were a Christian. That's a sad commentary. So we need to be before we do. And your life, my life, needs to align itself with Jesus Christ. We are to be a peculiar treasure unto God. We are to be distinct. We are to be different. We should not smell uh, like the world. We should not look like the world. Our lives should be different. People should look into your life and my life and then say to themselves, that person is unique. They are peculiar. Praise God for that. We ought to be uh, aligning our lives with Jesus Christ. You go back to Exodus chapter 19, in verse number 6 it goes on and makes reference to being a kingdom of priests. We're talking about being before doing. Being fully surrendered, dedicated. Not one foot in the world and the other sort of in church. Being fully dedicated to Christ and determining to align ourselves with Christ. A peculiar treasure. Being different, being separate from the world. Choosing not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And now in verse number 6 of Exodus 19, it talks about, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. Ye shall be, not do, be. Note the word be. Be comes before doing. The office of a priest involves connecting people to God in worship. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was a priest. He served within the temple. He aided people in their worship of God. The priesthood is established, yet to be established, which is interesting. It's not established as yet. But yet God said of his people, you are to be unto me a kingdom, all of you. But yet we'll read on and it's it's only one tribe that qualified one to be a priest. But before that comes into place, God said of Israel, you are to be unto me a kingdom of priests. The priesthood 
the purpose of the priesthood will be to aid people in their worship of God. And their obedience was to be an extension of their walk and worship with God. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 2 once again, look at verse number 9 once again. Note the New Testament application. For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. So as the priest ministered, served within the temple, it was, it was with a spirit of worship. And this little phrase here, you are to be unto me a kingdom of priests, I do believe the issue here is this issue of worship. Worship. How is your worship? How is your walk with God? Do we walk with God? Do we enjoy sweet communion with our Lord? See, it is only as we spend quality time in his presence in worship can we serve him effectively. Quickly, look at Luke chapter 1, please. This is a wonderful example of this principle, that we are to be a kingdom of priests. The principle of worship, we serve God out of a heart of worship. There in Luke chapter 1, it makes reference to Gabriel. Luke chapter 1, I think it's verse 19. Go to verse 19, Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 19. And it reads, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God. Stand in the presence of God. What's that in reference to? It has to be worship. I stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. So before the angel Gabriel was out serving, he stood in the presence of God. Didn't Jesus Christ say to Martha concerning Mary that Mary has chosen that good part at the feet of the Lord Jesus, listening to his word? This principle of being a kingdom of priests in worship, in leading people to worship the one and true God. For it's through the nation of Israel... The people are brought into a worshipful relationship with Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, came through the nation of Israel, a kingdom of priests. And beloved, you and I, as God's people, if we are to effectively obey God from the heart, it begins and it, and it always comes back to our personal worship with God. 
our personal worship with God that a priest aided people in their worship. Their worship. Dedication, standing distinctly, aligning ourselves with God, a kingdom of priests. What kind of a priest are you? We are a royal priesthood, the Bible teaches us. The priesthood speaks of worship. How do we reflect our commitment to our God in worship? See, Gabriel stood in the presence of God and it was from the presence of God he served. A kingdom of priests in worship. And then back in Exodus chapter 19, verse number 6, it talks about a holy nation. Personal sanctification. So what, what did God say to his people, this is what I want you to be before you do? Number one, fully consecrated, fully dedicated to God. Number two, you are to be a peculiar treasure. You are to be distinct. You are to be different. You must align your life with your God. Thirdly, we are a kingdom of priests. Worship, that we are uh, reflecting that our worship to God is our priority and in our ministry towards one another, we are pointing people to the one that is worthy of worship and number four we are to be a holy nation the principle of sanctification a holy nation they were to consider the bigger picture as individuals as individual Israelites, they were part of a nation, the nation of Israel. Each one was charged with the mandate of holiness to the Lord. I mean, note the emphasis there in verse number 10, please, of Exodus chapter 19. The Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Look at verses 14 and 15. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready again the third day, come not at your wives. Then note verse 23. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. The emphasis on sanctification. This sanctification process involved cleansing, involved abstinence. And God said to his people, you are to be, to me, a holy nation. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 once again, verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse number 9. Note the New Testament equivalent. And ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy 
nation, a holy nation, a peculiar treasure, a, a peculiar people, pardon me. And note the principle of worship there in the second part of verse 9, that you shall show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So we need to make it a priority to, to worship and see the importance of being worshippers before being doers. And also the emphasis here in Exodus 19 and also in 1 Peter 2 is the principle of sanctification. God who is holy demands holiness from his people. A holiness that encompasses our whole being, being holy, holy. As 1 Thessalonians 5 teaches, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Note then verse 22 to 24. It reads, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray God that your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then vote. Then note verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you. What has God called us to be? Holy, to be holy in spirit, to be holy in soul, to be holy in body. It encompasses abstaining from all appearance of evil. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God has called us to be holy, to be a holy people. Beloved, before you and I can do, we need to be holy, holy, a holy people, a holy nation. And as we meditate on God's holiness, it will show up within us our uncleanness. Just like Isaiah of old, he had a vision of a triune holy God. And he cried out, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Holiness, holiness. So critically important. Worship, so critically important. Being distinct, so critically important. Being fully dedicated, so critically important. We must be before we can do. Be consecrated, be different, be a worshipper, be holy. And last but not least, note then verses 12 and 13, it talks about boundaries. Boundaries. Look at verses 12 and 13 of Exodus chapter 19. 
It reads, And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whoso toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. Verse 13, There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man. It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. God sets some limits. God sets the boundaries. No one except for Moses and Aaron, according to verse 24, were permitted to touch, to go up Mount Sinai. See, we need to be before we can do. We need to understand that God has boundaries. Israel was given their boundaries and they were responsible to remain within God's boundaries. God gave Adam and Eve some boundaries in the Garden of Eden, did he not? We have boundaries within our roles, within the family, within the church, within our community. God wants us to remain within the boundaries of the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5, God puts it this way. 2 Timothy chapter 2, please, verse number 5. The example of an athlete, as an example, 2 Timothy 2.5, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. In the Old Testament, we read of a man by the name of Shimei, related to King Saul. He had a serious attitude, in attitude, with his attitude. Shimei stepped out of the boundaries that King Solomon had set for him. When David passed on the kingship to his son, he said, you'll have to deal with Shimei. So King Solomon set him aside and said, Shimei, I want you to remain within certain boundaries. As long as you stay within these boundaries, she'll be right, mate. Well, what did Shimei do? He stepped out of those boundaries. And Solomon had him killed because he violated the boundaries set for him. Take heed to yourselves, God said to his people. Stay within the boundaries. Beloved, we need to exercise godly discipline by remaining in our place. Note there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, it talks about, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, is controlled, is disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
Beloved, we need to stay within the boundaries of God's Word. God's Word is narrow, but yet it is broad enough for you and I to live godly in Christ Jesus. Before we can do, we need to be. We need to stay within the boundaries. And God said to these people, I want, don't want anybody and everybody climbing up the mount. I don't want anybody and everybody touching the mount. Only Moses and Aaron will have that privilege. Stay within the boundaries. Being before doing. In Proverbs 27, 8, it talks about a bird that wandereth from her nest. So is a man that wandereth from his place. In Psalm 119, verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. The psalmist said, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Are we out of bounds? Are we out of bounds in our hearts in some way? We need to get back into the boundaries of God's word. Otherwise, it will, affect, it will affect how we obey God. Are we disobeying God in our hearts in some way? Have we stepped out of the boundaries of God's word? Is there lust in our heart? Is there unforgiveness in our heart? Is there covetousness in our heart? Is there jealousy in our heart? Is there stinginess in our heart? Have we stepped out of the boundaries of God's word? See, beloved, we need to be before we can do. We know what we need to do, don't we? You know what you need to do. And because you are taught it and we encourage it to do, do, do. I'm afraid that we can be guilty of just going through the motions without any heart. God wants us to be. God wants us to be before we can effectively do. And what will keep you and I from just going through the motions of obedience without any heart is having a correct understanding and focus upon being all that God would have us to be first and foremost. How is the quality of your obedience? Does it flow out of a heart of love and gratitude for what God has done for you? That's the basis. Love's a wonderful motivator. You know, the church of Ephesus were guilty of not uh, losing their first love, but leaving their first love. And secondly, does our obedience flow from an inner spiritual life? See, God wants us to be and then we can do. We are to be consecrated. The word covenant emphasizes that. How committed, how committed are we? Is Jesus Christ 
the Lord of your life. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Are you fully consecrated? Do you see the importance of being different, aligning your life with Jesus Christ? Being separate from the world. Are we worshippers? How's your walk with God? Are we holy? Holy. I was just reading this morning about King Hezekiah. Beloved King Hezekiah. As he led God's people back to a point of restoration, he once again instituted the Passover. The Passover was to be remembered on the first month of the Jewish year. But Hezekiah reignited the observance of the Passover in the second month. Now, why did he do that? Because he wanted to get God's people on God's side. God's people needed time to prepare themselves. He needed the priests and the people prepared in heart. And in reigniting the celebration of the Passover, Hezekiah was prepared to wait another month so that God's people would be sanctified to remember what the Passover was all about. And it was just a timely reminder to me this morning that God is... uh, God is concerned about our holiness. God is concerned about our sanctification. God wants us to be before doing. Hezekiah realised that, wow, we haven't had a Passover celebration for years. But yet Hezekiah understood my people need to be before they do. So he courageously put off the Passover meal to the second month as opposed to the first month because he wanted time for God's people to be sanctified. And it was just a timely reminder that God wants us to be before we can do. So may God help us as his people, to see the importance of being right, being consecrated, being distinct, peculiar, special, being worshippers, being holy, taking heed to ourselves, remaining within the boundaries of God's word. Being comes before doing. But there's one other principle that comes before doing, That is seeing, seeing. And we'll address that principle next time. We need to be reminded of what we've come from. We need to be. But also in chapter 19, it talks about seeing, seeing. And we'll develop that in the weeks to come. But for today, for this evening, 
Let's be what God would have us to be. And then we can do what God would have us to do. Let's bow for prayer.